Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Here we are at midweek, this last week of September. Glad you have joined us. Thank you for letting us be part of your day. Coming up on our program today, we are going to talk with Kent Backus with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, get some reaction to the new U.S.-South Korea free trade deal, which for agriculture seems to be pretty much the same as the old deal. But uh, we'll talk about it. Any significance there? Are there any changes? What does it possibly give us a a sign of uh, future deals uh, with this administration trying to uh, negotiate? We'll talk about that with Kent Backus. We're going to get a harvest update today from Chad Colby in central Illinois, where harvest is really rolling along. We'll get that update in just a bit. We'll also be talking with DTN writer Todd Neely about uh, some of the key stories he's covering. But right now, we're happy to have with us Kansas Congressman Roger Marshall. Congressman, as always, thank you for joining us on Adams on Agriculture. Like always, glad to be here. Looking forward to a, to a good discussion on Cuba and agriculture and opportunities for, for farmers. Yeah, you know, we're talking a lot about trade right now and concerned about what's happening with China and with NAFTA. Uh, a market we have not talked much about lately, but it's certainly, uh, while not a huge market, could be a, a good market for the U.S., and that is Cuba. You met recently with uh, the Cuban president. Tell us about that uh, conversation and that discussion you had. Yeah, great meeting in New York City Monday for lunch, invited there uh, by the new Cuban president, Miguel Diaz-Canel. Uh, just a, a very straightforward man, a businessman, an engineering background. Uh, his parents were hardworking folks just like ours, so much in common with him. Uh, he was actually born the same year I was. Our great-grandparents both came from Europe and to this continent looking for a better life. So we had a super connection. And, and just to get to the meat of the matter, there's a billion-dollar agriculture opportunity in, in Cuba and I'm sure, like many of your listeners, Kansas has uh, wheat from two years ago sitting on old abandoned runways that we need to transport somewhere. So right now, Cuba is getting wheat uh, mostly from, from France, and they're getting dairy products from Australia. So they would be very motivated, they meaning Cuba, would be very motivated to save on those shipping costs, let alone the quality of our wheat is better uh, from the United States at the higher protein. And they, they love to bake in Cuba. Uh, my mention, they have a huge uh, growing tourist industry that's grown from 1 million visitors uh, four or five years ago up to 4 million visitors. And what do tourists like to do? They like to eat. And they need to be able to respond very quickly. They have a quick turnaround when you have tourists. You may have a, a much bigger ship come in than you're expecting. So just the logistics of it, they would love to, to strike some better deals with the United States. Yeah, I've long, uh, you know, supported uh, lifting that embargo and opening up trade with Cuba. I just feel we could uh, uh, have a great impact on on that country. And instead of uh, shutting it out, I think we ought to be opening up to it and and work on the, you know, bringing about the changes, positive changes in that country through more open trade with them. Now there were few years ago there were some steps started to kind of open that up but they've kind of slowed down recently where are we uh in the process of getting more trade with cuba yeah we certainly we took a step forward now we've taken two steps backwards and, and probably
our agriculture marketing program in Cuba. Uh, the, the biggest holdup we have right now is that by, by law, no private citizen in the United States can loan money to Cuba for our agriculture products. I've never am asking the U.S. government to make that loan, but uh, if a grain company in Kansas wants to loan money and get Cuba credit, then, then I think they should be allowed to do it. Uh, I think it's the right thing to do. I think it will lead to more capitalism in Cuba. I've been there twice myself, and I'm very impressed that the, the, the strength of their economy are the small little businesses that are popping up all over Havana. Most of them are centered around tourism. It's uh, bed breakfast. It's little restaurants that they're turning their homes into restaurants. So I think that this would promote uh, that American dream. And like you said, uh, it would, would, uh, we could, it'll lead to the end of the embargo. I think they're good people. I think it's the right thing to do. And I think I've seen polling out, goodness, over 75% of Americans think it's time to end the embargo. Yeah, I've been there a couple of times myself, and I agree with you. And I've always felt it was it was uh, foolish to let other countries uh, come in there and uh, set up shop, basically ninety miles off our borders, and have that market that uh, we have. We should have the advantage of being so close by. Yeah, exactly. And and China right now is going across the world loaning money for infrastructure development in exchange for ownership of that infrastructure. Uh, the last thing I want is China owning the ports in and out of Cuba, and I might as well talk about Mexico just for a second, how important it is that we have U.S. companies in there helping develop the infrastructure in Mexico and not China. That is the master strategy of China, is to go in and do infrastructure and then in exchange for uh, loaning the money, they get an ownership piece of that. So we don't need our neighbors uh, being owned by China. No, China certainly does have a very big presence in uh, Cuba, and we've kind of allowed it to happen by pulling out instead of going in there. Uh, is there anything going on right now in Congress to try to get, uh, or does it have to be through the administration to get uh, more trade with Cuba? Oh, I think right now it's going to take Congress. I think that Congress and the Farm Bill is our best chance. Like I said, I mentioned already the, the marketing funds we have there. Uh, but so far, I've not been able to introduce an, an amendment that would allow private businesses to loan money to Cuba. So those are the two biggest things. Uh, I guess the next thing that we need to do is um, open, the, open the borders back up for traveling, more travel, more free traveling for uh, United States citizens in and out of Cuba. Because of what the president has done, it's been much harder, and their tourism industry has taken a big hit. So uh, to promote that, we need their economy to be strong as well. So there are some things the administration can do. They're kind of hung up on this acoustic issue. Uh, you may recall that uh, we had several people down, uh, Americans in the embassy, that had some hearing issues, changes, some of those types of things. It's been pretty well investigated and inconclusive right now. And then a similar incident happened perhaps in China. Uh, I would have every reason to believe that Cuba had nothing to do with it if, in fact, anything happened. There would be no reason Cuba would want to attack our diplomats. They want to roll up the red carpet for us. So uh, you know, the latest rumor is that Russia may have had something to do with that attack. Russia loves sowing chaos and strife. Uh, so it's, it's pretty disappointing if indeed Russia did that. 
All right, Congressman, thank you very much, and uh, hopefully we'll see some action to open up that uh, Cuban market uh, to our to our producers uh, soon. Thank you very much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Take care. Kansas Congressman Roger Marshall. Yeah, I've never understood, especially the travel restrictions, why our citizens are not allowed to freely enter a country that we're not at war with and that there's not a health or safety risk. Uh, why, uh, why are we being restricted? That's... Uh, I've never agreed with that. But uh, we'll see if they can get anything going, uh, open up that market more to uh, U.S. producers. All right, a lot of things happening, uh, different stories we want to touch on. We're going to talk with Todd Neely with DTN. That's coming up next. Stay with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem, seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org to learn more. Together, we can save lives. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic. Safe. Effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, you're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out-yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or High Soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and High Soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons Now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today.
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Well, the uh, big four in the Farm Bill are meeting today, talking today. Of course, that's uh, Chairman Roberts and Ranking Member Stabenow on the Senate side and Chairman Conaway and Ranking Member Peterson on the House side. But uh, we'll see if they, they've still got a lot to work through. And we'll see if there will be any breakthroughs uh, after their talks today. But uh, still waiting on that. Sure does not look like they'll get it done by the end of this week, as uh, even uh, Chairman Roberts is uh, conceding now. But uh, we'll see what they come up with. Uh, let's take a look at some other stories. Joining us now from DTN, Todd Needley. We're going to take a peek into his reporter's notebook. Todd, thanks for joining us. Lots going on here at the end of September. Yeah, thank you, Mike, for having me. It's never a dull moment, I suppose. Here we are in harvest time, uh, and not a good story. A uh, situation with a grain elevator in Minnesota may involve uh, possible fraud. Uh, what's the latest on that story? Well, yeah, Mike, uh, you know, we've been following a case up in Ashby, Minnesota, where uh, the Ashby Farmers Cooperative um, closed about two weeks ago, um, and there's an allegation involving uh, their manager uh, claiming that he allegedly stole a couple of million dollars from the business before disappearing. Um, what's happening now is the Minnesota Department of Agriculture uh, they put out a notice yesterday to farmers and, and others who work with the cooperative uh, to begin collecting any evidence they have that they can prove, uh, you know, whether the co-op owes them money or whether they had grain stored at the facility. Um, you know, and, and the sad part of this is we're talking about um, an elevator used by more than 300 different farmers in the area, and uh, most notably, um, you know, the bonds required by the state. Uh, probably come nowhere near close to uh, covering the losses. And so um, farmers are basically being told to just collect any data that they have, any paperwork they have, uh, you know, reflecting the business that they've done with the co-op. And I think going forward it's going to take some time, but once they get all the claims, uh, you know, hauled in, uh, then they have to decide which claims are actually valid, and then uh, we'll see what happens from there. But... uh, Chances are, in many of these cases, most farmers are never made whole, and I think that's the saddest part of this. Yeah, it's not a good situation at all. Um, we, we watched the story out in California. Bear, through its acquisition of Monsanto, has uh, inherited the, the fight over glyphosate. And how are they fighting the, the court ruling out there on glyphosate? Well, yeah, uh, you know, they've asked the Ninth Circuit in San Francisco uh Basically, they want they want this case re, uh, re-looked at, overturned. Um, a man by the name of Dwayne Johnson, who worked at, apparently at a golf course using Roundup uh, herbicide, he had won uh, some $289 million in damages in the lawsuit that he filed against uh, Monsanto. Uh, one of the interesting things about this bear, as you know, uh, bought Monsanto, and there had been some question as to what was going to happen uh, with this particular court fight and this particular product. But, but Bayer uh, made it clear in a court filing, uh, I believe it's toward the end of last week, that they're going to continue on with the fight. And so they've asked the court to basically review what, uh, what the decision was made and uh, see where it goes from there. But, um, you know, I, I think when, when you look at glyphosate, it's another one of these products 
that we hear a lot about from, from environmental groups as, uh, you know, dangerous to people and, and cancer-causing and all these things. And a lot of the times the science doesn't back it up. And so um, we'll see what happens to this, but uh, it's definitely a big moment for bear and, uh, you know, the future of glyphosate. Yeah, it's a key story for agriculture moving forward because of uh, how widespread use there is for uh, glyphosate products. Now, speaking of uh, being in court, uh, another story that you've been watching, uh, EPA asking for a rehearing in the Ninth Circuit on another decision. Tell us about that. Uh, Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you don't see a lot of these uh, appeals filed with appeals courts necessarily. Uh, The EPA on Tuesday... Uh, they requested what they call an, an end bank hearing, which is basically gathering all the judges on the Ninth Circuit to look at this uh, the situation with chlorpyrifos. Um, you know, chlorpyrifos is becoming increasingly important to farmers. As, as you know, uh, producers have, have uh, put more acres of soybeans in, in the fields uh, in recent years, and this is a, a key product in, in fighting soybean, soybean aphids. And so I think, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting because, as you know, the Ninth Circuit, uh, it's one of the top five overturned uh, appellate courts in the country. Um, and so, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I'm not sure where this is going to go, but uh, it's not entirely unco- uncommon for um, a, cur- a court to, to hold hearings uh, before the entire circuit. And so I think in, in a way this feels kind of like a Hail Mary um, on the part of uh, – on the part of everybody involved. And so, um, you know, again, chlorpyrifos is another one of those chemicals that, that's widely used. And, uh, you know, every time we see one of these court cases coming up on, on products that are very important to producers, um, it, it really makes you hold your breath and wonder what, what's to come. Yeah, these decisions uh, could impact, uh, you know, production agriculture for years to come because of the uh, use of these products. And just like we're waiting, we'll be waiting to see what EPA decides on dicamba. Absolutely. You know, and that's, uh, we've been told by EPA that they're going to continue looking at, uh, you know, the next growing season and what they prepare to do with dicamba. Uh, They're really not disclosing at this point what the plans are on that front, but it's something we continue to watch. We're talking with DTN reporter Todd Neely. Todd, last week, um, EPA released uh, some more information about the small refinery waivers and RINs on their website uh, after, you know, many calls for more transparency. Uh, what's been the reaction to this latest move by EPA? Did it satisfy people or just uh, left us wanting more? Well, I think on the waivers front, it's a good step. Um, as you know, we've seen ethanol groups and others sue for information from the EPA wanting to know more about the nature of the waivers that have been requested, you know, the companies involved uh, and those sorts of things. Um, But when you look at the RINs side of this, the renewable identification number side of it, uh, it's really nothing in terms of transparency because if you talk to people who buy and sell RINs, uh, it really doesn't provide any more information than what's already been out there and publicly available. I mean, we still don't know who exactly is behind all the RINs trades and and that sort of thing. Uh, so it's kind of a mixed bag, although I think the one thing coming from this release is that, that was most interesting, maybe maybe we kind of all knew, but EPA has not turned down a waiver request since 2015, and so every waiver, small refinery waiver request that they've gotten, they've approved to this point. And so 
um, maybe this is the first step and, and maybe the EPA is going to take a harder look at, at how they're issuing the waivers. But to this point, uh, the agency's not backing down from, from that stance. Yeah, maybe more transparency, but again, as the the curtain yeah. gets lifted a little bit, we, I think most of the renewable fuels industry still not liking what they see behind the curtain. Absolutely, and you know, I think it's something that, you know, if, if we can know more about these waivers and, and how they're issued, I think, I think the one thing, you know, people in the industry are hoping that members of Congress kind of get the idea that maybe something needs to be done legislatively to fix that waiver program, if that's possible. Um, so maybe that's something on the horizon. Uh, Todd, we know that the, the opioid crisis is, a, you know, continues to spread. It's a very serious issue across the country, especially in rural America. Uh, just kind of a preview, you're, you're working on a series uh, to give us more information. Is that coming soon? Absolutely, yeah. We're putting the finishing touches on a, on a number of stories, looking at a number of angles and aspects um, in rural America. And, uh I think the thing that we want to we want to emphasize is the importance of talking about it. Um, you don't hear enough, uh, you know, personal stories. A lot of people are, are very hesitant, especially in rural America, to say much about what's going on in their personal lives. Uh, but so we hope through this series that uh, we can share some of those stories and maybe you know kind of take uh, take the mask off of a, of a lot of uh, shame and things that go on with people who, who deal with these types of addictions. Well, we know a lot of groups are, are trying to do something about it. Uh, awareness seems to be the first step. Yeah, you know, and I think you see a lot more a lot more discussion going on in communities across rural America. We've, um, you know, we've seen communities out in Ohio and Indiana uh, where they hold where they hold uh, you know town meetings and, and a number of farmers show up, and and it, it really is kind of a good first step because I think the more people realize that they aren't alone and what they're going through, I, I think it really does help, uh, you know, to, to get those people to the help that they need. Well, we'll be watching for your uh, series on opioids and um, appreciate you being with us, kind of opening up your uh, notebook and letting us see what uh, some of the stories that you're covering and what you're hearing. Thanks, Todd. Good to talk with you. Yeah, thank you very much, Mike. Todd Neely, DTN reporter, joining us. Next, Kent Backus with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. We have a new version of the old chorus, uh, U.S.-South Korea free trade deal. What's in it for agriculture? Any real changes? What's it mean going forward? We'll talk with Kent Backus with NCBA next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, 
the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. The grain markets have become more sensitive to export numbers as traders wait to see whether Chinese soybean demand is gone for good and whether U.S. grain exports will improve overall. Private exporters reporting to USDA the sale of over 650,000 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to Mexico during the 2018-19 marketing year. Soybean futures trending higher in the overnight trade, higher in early Wednesday trade with new crop November 849 and a half, up three and a fraction. We climbed as high as 858 on Tuesday before backing off. In corn, we're a fraction lower. December at 363 and a half, down a quarter of a cent. December corn climbed for the fifth consecutive session in a row on Tuesday. Corn bulls do control the short-term trend, according to the Wire Talk, as December trades above its 10-day and 20-day moving average. The ag weather forecast calling for rain over the past 24 hours to slow down harvest progress in many Midwest locations. Episodes of wet weather in the west and northern areas may further slow the harvest over the next week. In the wheats, Chicago, three to four cents higher. Nickel better in Kansas City. Minneapolis spring wheat, one to two and a half cents higher on this Wednesday. Livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures. We are a nickel to 40 cents higher. Feeder cattle, narrow mix, October 156.52, up a nickel per hundredweight. Cash cattle bids in the south expected to start off near 106 on a live basis, 174 dressed in the north. Lean hog futures, December down 82 at 56.92. The Dow is up 35 points, and you're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk trade with Kent Backus, Director of International Trade and Market Access for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Kent, let's start with Chorus, the South Korea deal. Uh, we have a new deal we keep hearing about, but for agriculture, is it pretty much the old deal? 
Yeah, the good news is, is you know, we asked the president to do no harm, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, he made some uh, changes to provisions for cars and trucks, uh, allowing more U.S. vehicles to go to Korean markets, and extending uh, protections uh, from Korean imports. So, uh, you know, as far as those sectors are good, that is definitely a touch-up for us uh, in the beef sector. Uh, things are, you know, this is just business as, uh, as usual, which is a good thing. Because for us, the Korea trade agreement is gold standard. I mean, you're talking about an agreement that uh, that not only eliminated a 40% tariff on our beef going into that market, but it also raised a lot of the uh, the all of the the scientific standards so that we can have more predictability and be uh, less vulnerable to the political whims of Korean politics, which unfortunately we've been the victim of in the past. So how big a market for U.S. beef is South Korea? Well, when you look at the growth we've seen, I mean, our sales have essentially doubled uh, since uh, Korea, since the Korea Free Trade Agreement has been implemented. Uh, and Korea is now our second largest export market. And last year we sold $1.2 billion worth of U.S. beef to Korean consumers. Uh, that's, it's an amazing uh, growth that we have seen there. Not only are we seeing uh, just the, the top dollar uh, value increase, we've also become the largest source of imported beef in Korea. Uh, so we have we pushed the the Australians out of that first place spot, uh, and not only that, but Costco, you know, the big box store, uh, which we have a lot of sales of beef uh, through Costco in Korea. Costco has now implemented a new change where all of the fresh beef that they are selling in their stores across Korea is now U.S. beef, not Australian. So it just, it just shows you that advantage we have by having these trade agreements. And because we signed our agreement and implemented it before the Australians, we have about an 8% tariff rate advantage, and we'll continue to enjoy that for about the next 10 years. So we're essentially just squeezing them out of that market, and that's really good for us because we're able to capitalize on strong Korean demand for U.S. beef. We're talking with Kent Backus with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. So in uh, what seems to be a, a sea of negative trade news, this is a bright spot. Well, you know, I think that's a, that's a, that's a very good point. The, the fact is, is that the Trump administration is using very aggressive negotiating tactics, and this is a, a benefit uh, from that. Uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, we're facing retaliation uh, in some of the other uh, for some of the other uh, policies that are moving forward, whether it's from steel tariffs or the Section 301 uh, battle with China, which is now escalated in, into the billions. Uh, but this is a bright spot. This shows the potential of what can happen. And I, I think it also just shows that the administration is is going to, to continue to use these aggress- aggressive tactics. And we're hopeful that we're going to see a conclusion to the NAFTA talks here very soon. You know, we've already seen uh, Mexico agree to to update a lot of the terms that the U.S. has asked for. Uh, we're hopeful that Canada will, uh, you know, kind of get off their butts and, uh, and, and you know, hopefully conclude the negotiations soon and make the necessary changes they need to their, their dairy policy, their poultry access, and things like that. Because uh, we need Canada to be part of NAFTA. We need, we need to be a truly North American agreement. Uh, but we also need them to, you know, to be willing to, you know, to make those tough decisions. Uh, and, you know, so far, uh, it looks like it's just U- the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, we're hopeful that, you know, Canada will, you know, will, will step up. But, uh, you know, that's their decision. 
if it is a U.S.-Mexico deal, do we know what's in there? Is this a do no harm like the South Korea deal for U.S. beef, or are there some improvements, or what do you see there? Yeah, I think by and large, uh, you know, we're we're hoping to see the same terms. Uh, we haven't really, uh, you know, seen or heard anything that would cause us to you know raise any eyebrows. Uh, and really, from Mexico, they don't want to put any new barriers in place because uh, not only are they buying record amounts of, of U.S. beef that you know that would be that'd be harmful for their retail sector, uh, but they're also exporting beef to the U.S. So it, it, it makes sense to keep the terms as they are. Uh, the live cattle trade has has really slowed down uh, simply because Mexico's invested more in their their packing and their feeding sectors. So you know, there's we're we're not getting flooded. By cattle and beef from from these other countries, uh, we need to keep these terms essentially as they are because it's hard for us to improve on unrestricted duty-free access uh, to two markets that have essentially created billion-dollar customer bases in both those countries. Well, as far as Canada is concerned, U.S. Trade Representative Lighthizer sounds very pessimistic when it, talking about Canada. And he's been playing down uh, any expectations for a NAFTA deal with Canada in the coming days, saying the fact is Canada is not making concessions in areas where we think it is essential. So it really makes that uh, certainly anything can change at any time, but it doesn't look real optimistic uh, uh, right now uh, for getting Canada back into NAFTA. Well, I think you know if we if we listen to the messaging coming out from from either government for the last few years or for the last year, then we would have expected this negotiation to conclude months ago. Uh, you know, I, I just think that the reality is Canada is going to hold out as long as they can, and uh, and the United States sooner or later is going to have to to move forward. I think this September 30th deadline is important, uh, and, and for those who aren't familiar, you know that's what. Uh, Ambassador Lighthizer, the administration, has said, "Is like, look, if we don't hear from the Canadians by September the 30th, then we're just going to have to move forward uh, with this agreement with Mexico. Main reason for that is uh, it has to do with our trade promotion authority and the rules there. Uh, so Congress has to have 60 days to review the, the text, uh, and so USTR would need to transmit uh, that text here very soon." And the reason why is that Mexico inaugurate, you know, they, they're going to swear in their new president, uh, who has uh, probably more uh, leftist views than the current administration, definitely stronger labor views than the current administration in Mexico. He gets sworn in on December the 1st. So there's a very small window of opportunity to actually sign the agreement, and then once that is signed, it'll go to uh, it'll go for ratification in in the different countries for their congresses to approve. So the clock's ticking, and Canada knows that you know they need to they need to make a decision. Uh, now it may it may just come down to the fact that you know Canada and the U.S. will have to negotiate a, a different bilateral at another time. But uh, that's not what we want. We want this to stay uh, you know a truly a trilateral agreement because uh, it it's it's just makes it uh, continuing the policies as they are, continuing access for beef producers, for uh, for all of our cattlemen and women out there. That's what we want. We don't want to have uncertainty in the marketplace. Uh, we want to have consistency and predictability because we know there's strong demand for our products in both Canada and Mexico, and we want to continue to maximize on that. Meanwhile, things do not look uh, very optimistic with China either. Uh, trade rep uh, Lighthizer 
uh, blasting China as unreliable and slow to make good on its trade promises over the years. Meanwhile, China's vice commerce minister saying it's hard for the nations to talk while Washington holds a knife to China's neck. So the the tariffs back and forth continue. Uh, meanwhile, there's uh, more talks going on with the EU. Any uh, any sign of a breakthrough there that could lead to more U.S. beef going into Europe? You know, I think uh, you know people talk about uh, how how difficult it will be to negotiate with China and to get China to move on things. Uh, I, th- I think China would moves moves at a, you know at light year speed faster than what the Europeans do. Uh, the Europeans find new and creative ways to throw bureaucratic regulatory roadblocks in place. And you can ask any other country that has negotiated a, an agreement with them uh, that they do the same thing. They may agree to terms. <clears throat> But actually enforcing and implementing the agreement, uh, it's, it's 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 almost just a fool's errand. Uh, you know that we would hope that there'd be some kind of breakthrough in the talks with the European Union, but uh, quite frankly, uh, you know, I, I I just don't see that happening anytime soon. I think there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of folks who would like to see that move forward. Certainly us, but the European ag industry is so protectionist, and their consumer groups. Uh, essentially dictate terms uh, for health and safety, even if they're not based on science. And so uh, until we really see a firm commitment from the EU, they're not going to be willing to to really sit down and and negotiate, even though it would be beneficial for both of our economies. So, you know, I think that uh, I think we'll probably see uh, some efforts uh, and we'll probably see some some real uh, developments with the U.S. and China before we see anything from the U.S. and the EU. Yeah, I've always thought a deal with the EU would be a very heavy lift based on uh, our history with them, the challenges and obstacles we faced, and their strong opposition to much of what we do in agriculture here. Well, that's exactly right. I think the case in point is just the fact that they pick and choose which science they will embrace. Uh, They pick and choose which WTO standards, which WTO rulings, uh, which international uh, trade rules and regulations that they will abide by. They do whatever is beneficial for them and then use, uh, I would say, non-science-based, quote, scientific principles uh, to hold out competition from other countries. And the fact that, they have, that they've never abided by the, the WTO decision on hormones is, is a prime example. Uh, what they do to our, our farmers with GMOs, what they do on the dairy side with, with geographical indica- indications, uh, in restricting dairy products, we can say, I mean, it's, you, the list goes on and on. Uh, but the EU, uh, there needs to be some significant changes there before we're ever going to see meaningful trade with that, uh, with that entire market. I think, if anything, that's exactly why the British have decided to leave, is because they're tired of playing by these rules. So we'll see what happens. All right, Kent, thanks for the update. Good to talk with you. Good talking with you, too. Take care. Kent Backus, Director of International Trade and Market Access for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. All right, a harvest report next from central Illinois. Stay with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. 
Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, harvest in some places just really getting going. Other places, it's stop and start with the uh, wet weather moving through. Central Illinois has been going for some time, and a lot has been done. Let's talk with Chad Colby with uh, Colby Ag Tech and Central Illinois Ag uh, near Bloomington, Illinois, right in the center of the state. Uh, Chad, uh, wow, it's amazing uh, to look out there and see how much has been taken off already. It's, it's harvest here in Central Illinois has really rolled right along. You know, good morning, Mike. It certainly is. I think, uh, you know, from a couple of weeks ago when you were on this, you and I were on this week in agribusiness. It's pretty interesting to see that, you know, some places across the heart of the Midwest here really have had a slow start, and other places have really got moving. And uh, Central Illinois, really specifically, kind of that draw line from Galesburg to Champaign, south of Springfield, kind of that area right there has really been fortunate. Um, we've had a little rain from last night, but they've got a real big jump on this harvest. What kind of corn yields are you hearing in central Illinois? You know, it's been, um, you know, largely the yields are very good. Um, I've seen everything, though. I've seen some continuous corn that struggled to get to 200, and I've seen some plot data at, you know, 300 bushels. So kind of everywhere in between. The thing that's been the real surprise was that what that two weeks of really warm near record temperatures of heat did um, most of the crops now have dried down substantially in the field soybean moistures are certainly in harvest range now for the most part in that 10 to 12 percent of corn is most everybody's corn now just largely due to that unseasonably warm weather we had really taking everything under 20 and there are a lot of nerves because a lot of guys were harvesting corn in that mid-90s temperature and as you know, Mike, you put that corn away in, in bins at that warm temperature, there's some challenges there. But, my goodness, the last few nights have been really cool. So guys have been able to do a good job to uh, control some of that uh, quality of corn as it goes into storage. Yeah, it has really cooled off. Sure, sure feels like fall now. What, what about the bean yields? What are you hearing there? You know, again, I think the beans are a pleasant surprise. You know, lots of 60s and 70s, and, and there's some bigger numbers than that as well. There's been some concerns as of late the last few days here with just weather in the region. I know yesterday I was uh, over in eastern Iowa over that Mount Pleasant area, and my goodness, were there some bad winds there. I mean, terrible winds. Um, quite honestly, I was maybe concerned a little bit about my safety. They were that bad. Um, I know some of that tough weather is going to affect some corn and soybeans um, as far as standability of crops. I know there was some pretty tough weather in northern Illinois. Um, but, you know, for the most part, things here are way, way, way ahead of schedule. And believe it or not, Mike, 
I've got some producers that are already starting to, uh, you know, get down to that last 25, 30% of their crops to get out of the field. We'll have growers done here in central Illinois starting probably this weekend, and certainly in the next week we'll have producers that are done with the 18 harvest. Yeah, I've already seen some uh, doing some uh, some fall tillage, uh, some field work getting ready for next year already. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, a few agronomists I speak to here lately, and a lot of guys are starting to, uh, you know, make seed plans and discussions for next year. And the nice part about getting that crop out early, Mike, is we're going to have a lot of a lot of guys now are going to have some time to do some other things in the field that maybe you don't think of. Get all that lime spread. Maybe go ahead and tile that next 80 acres. I saw a couple of tile machines, in fact, this morning on semis being transported in one field right here south of Bloomington. There's tile already out in the field uh, in big black spools because the corn's off and the weather is so good right now. So a lot of farmers will have a chance to do some other things that they historically don't ever get to do. We wondered coming into this harvest, knowing it would be a pretty big one and that there was still some uh, old crop sitting in the bins, uh, how how would the, the storage situation be? What are you seeing? Any problems? Well, Mike, it's, uh, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, it's been a discussion. A lot of grain elevators right now. In fact, one of them just south of Bloomington, I noticed on Sunday, almost has his outdoor pile already filled up. And I think um, as this harvest starts to wind down i i you know when we talk about getting that last 50 percent i think you're going to see storage become an issue um, largely due to what, what you mentioned um, so much old crop still out there in the field i'm not seeing too much of it yet but i know it's a it's a pretty favorable discussion and i know of two or three elevators myself that already have the outside storage already full so it's it's going to be a challenge here especially in that latter part of harvest you mentioned earlier about the, the quality of the of the grain. Uh, have there been many disease issues, many toxins uh, to worry about? What are you hearing there? I think what I've been seeing is, you know, you and I just mentioned old crop, and I think there's some quality issues with the old crop and storage. And I know for a fact some some local elevators and are blending, obviously, the new crop corn to get rid of the old stuff that's been sitting around for at least 12 months. And I think that's part of the challenge. As far as the stuff in the field right now, um, it's in very, very good shape coming out of the field. Um, we haven't had really any challenges as of yet. I get a little concerned when I hear about my friends up in the, the northern parts of the country, uh, north, south Dakota, Wisconsin, Minnesota, all the rain and stuff they have. And, you know, we got to remind producers, though, Mike, this is still really, really early. You give, you give a, a farmer, you know, two weeks, they can get their crops out. It's just a matter of when that window opens up. And right here in central Illinois, we've just been blessed, and that window opened a little earlier for us, and those warm temps really accelerated things. Yeah, opened early, and for the most part, it stayed open. Yeah, I mean, truly, we've been kind of waiting for that rain. We thought we were going to get hit pretty hard last night. For the most part, talked to several guys this morning. I think it's going to be a, a shut us down for the morning, and guys will be running this afternoon. Most guys were in that. You know, half inch, there were a couple spotty places with an inch of rain, but we all know as dry as it's been here, an inch mm-hmm. of rain, Mike, goes away so quickly yes. uh, in the fall months. And, um, you know, obviously guys are guys are really taking advantage of this uh, ability to get their crops out early. You can bet a lot of uh, football games and with, the you know, the busy holiday season coming up, it's kind of nice to know maybe this won't be the year, at least right here, that we're still harvesting corn at Thanksgiving. <laughs> Um, certainly that's probably not going to be the case here this year. 
But as always, we urge everyone to be careful, and let's make sure we have a safe harvest season. Chad, good to talk with you again. We'll be in touch. Thanks a lot. Sounds sound great, Mike. Yeah, I agree. Make sure everybody stays safe. Take a little extra time. Okay. Safe travels to you. Thank you very much. Chad Colby with Central Illinois Ag and, Cho- and Colby Ag Tech near Bloomington, Illinois. All right. With that, we're going to wrap things up for today. Coming up tomorrow, we'll see if uh, anything's breaking on the farm bill. Also, more on uh, that U.S.-South Korea trade deal. What does that mean for moving U.S. meat? And we'll have a, yet another harvest date, we'll, uh, harvest update. We'll check in with another state to see how things are going. Hope you'll stay with us right here each day on AOA Adams on Agriculture. I'm Mike Adams. Have a good and safe day, everyone. Mm-hmm.